This is the Early Career Research Forum. The focus of our forum is to provide members with opportunities to access peer and mentor support, develop links with senior researchers, participate in capacity building workshops, and share knowledge across disciplines. If you would like to learn more about the work we do, or if any of our listeners would like to become a member of the ECRF, subscribe free at www.professionalpalliativehub.com forward slash research forward slash ECRF. We welcome your thoughts and questions. Please tweet our direct questions to at AIIHPC underscore ECRF. Today's podcast will present an early career researcher engaged in research relating to attitudes of clinical nurse specialists providing children's palliative care in the community. We are honoured now to be joined by Dr. Carrie Dennehy, a consultant in palliative medicine at St. James's Hospital, Our Ladies Hospice Dublin and St. Bridget's Hospice Kildare. Carrie is a University College Cork graduate of 2006. She completed the GP training programme in 2013 and palliative medicine higher specialist training in 2020. She has a special interest in care of the older person, paediatric palliative care, and both undergrad and postgraduate education. Welcome to the ECRF podcast, Carrie. Thanks so much for the introduction, Stacey. Great. So, Carrie, you recently, as of last week, presented your study, Attitudes of Clinical Nurse Specialist in Community Palliative Care in Providing Care for Children at the Irish Association of Palliative Care Education Research Symposium. Can you introduce the listener to your research topic, first of all? Thanks so much, Stacey. Uh, care of children with life-limiting conditions, understandably, is a complex area of care, but also a very nice area of care delivery. And uh, there exist unique challenges in care of these patients and extending the care to their families. And we're familiar with, uh, in palliative care, many seminal reports and policies recommending that care of these children and their families should be in the home place as far as possible, if that's the wish of the patient and family. Care delivery in the current model, as you know, Stacey, is uh, delivered in a shared care model, uh, with care being shared between primary care um, teams, including general practitioners, PHNs, paediatric services as close to the patient as possible, and that's supported by the adult palliative care services. So many CNSs, of course, in adult palliative care may not have exposure to paediatrics uh, in their mm-hmm. palliative care and care of the dying child in particular. So this is in part because of the relative rarity with which we encounter these cases. Um, And of course, as I said, they're particularly complex and challenging at times. So I sought in my research to determine the level of experience and comfort or competence and confidence as it were of these palliative care nurses, in particular around certain areas of care. I looked at pain control, other symptomatic issues, communication issues, ethical challenges, and a willingness or lack thereof on the part of the nurse in providing this care and how they felt about that. So that's sort of the the how the study was born or the, the concept of the study. Yeah, it's such a relevant topic as a, you know, coming from a children's palliative care background. We rely sure. so heavily on the adult community nurses to provide the care in the home for children end of life. So I firstly want to ask, what was your experience of presenting? It was just last week. Have you any advice for early career researchers presenting their research? Yeah, I think when you're presenting your research, you can be, uh, you know, 
doubting yourself uh, for a start, especially as an early career researcher and, you know, wondering what the research contributes and can you present it in a clear fashion that, you know, delivers bite-sized messages that are easily digestible to the audience and I suppose knowing your target audience. But it's important to remember not to be too hard on yourself on that front and no one knows the topic as well as you do when you've researched it yourself. Uh, Keeping the language simple, I think, is important and getting across the main messages and you know, think of who you're speaking to. So um, certainly when you're speaking to a, you know, diverse group that is multidisciplinary in nature, like the IAPC, you have to be mindful of, um, you know, the basics, like the, the way you're delivering the messages, language, um, not using too much medical jargon if it's not specifically a, med- uh, you know, a medicine audience. So just real basics, I think, are important in terms of uh, presentation. God, that's some really good advice. And how did you find the pre-recording? We're in strange times with COVID-19 at the minute. Absolutely. I wouldn't say it would have been my first preference. Yeah. Uh, not the most IT savvy for sure. But I think, you know, um, needs must. And it was great to go ahead with the IAPC annual seminar this year being the 20th um, anniversary of the conference. So a real landmark yeah. date. So, yeah. And a privilege to, to present at it. Absolutely. Well, I must say I attended it myself and uh, really well done to all of you. Um, it's no easy task for any early career researcher out there. I must say they did a super job, the Education Research Forum and the wider board. It was a great day, great success. They sure did. So I'm going to look at uh, and ask about your actual research now. Like it really marries the adult and children's palliative care world. So I think I was extremely drawn to your, um, your research on the day. What implications does your research have for clinical practice? Well, I suppose the nurses targeted or studied in this really were the ones working at the cool face. So that's what's important. Mm. And their voiced experience and their expressed concerns and indeed preferences are really paramount. We need to hear them uh, in terms of shaping future direction of care delivery. So they need to be listened to and they need to be considered. So the themes generated, there were, there were five main themes um, identified and they were really, really useful. In particular, I thought interesting was the willingness, you know, a need to be supported. So a willingness once supported. And I think that's the support is probably, you know, dual support coming from, as I mentioned earlier, the pediatric side, but also senior adult palliative care physician colleagues. So uh, the the community nurses need to know that there's support coming from um, wherever they need the support at the time. So be that the adult services, because it's their area around, you know, communication or symptom management or the pediatric services where their expertise comes in, you know, most useful or most appropriately. Um, Keeping lines of communication open is paramount and and that's, you know, intuitive enough, I think. And educational curricula that will meet learning needs as have been identified by this cohort of nurses should really address gaps in the knowledge that have been identified. And the platform of education curriculum might depend on what's being taught and it might depend on the nursing question. So, for example, one of the questions covered uh, nurses' clinical um, exposure to and use of um, central venous access devices and whether they'd had training in that. Yeah. Yeah. And interestingly, the training actually, there had been a, you know, a good percentage had had training, but not that many had had clinical exposure in their use. So I suppose that's a very practical skill. So I think, yeah. you know, that teaching session isn't going to be very useful there. But certainly they have other to try things, and maintain those skills. Yeah. Is, yeah. Yes. Absolutely. absolutely it absolutely it um so you know it depends on what you're teaching and it depends what the you know what the area being covered is i think that will direct what type of educational format is best suited to the needs of the nurse yeah 
And you mentioned like so many important things. And you know what? I think that can be identified through kind of most nurses, even pediatric palliative care nurses themselves. Do you know the needs for that training, the patient exposure, that interdisciplinary support, um, collaboration, all of those. So is there anything from undertaking this research and then immersing yourself in the literature? Is there any particular initiatives that you feel would benefit these clinical nurse specialists in the community providing palliative care to children? Thanks, Stacey. I think that's a really useful and pragmatic question, really. Just thinking on the December 2020 HSE publication around the framework for governance structures going forward in paediatric palliative care, it really focuses on educational needs and educational curricular development going forward and how this is, I suppose, a priority in addition to robust governance structures. And I think a variety of educational initiatives need to be incorporated into said curriculum, you know, for training going forward. And what I found interesting, and I would have mentioned it on the day of the conference, in this report, there was mention of incorporating some training in adult palliative medicine in the pediatric um, higher specialist training program and vice versa, some pediatrics in adult palliative medicine. But it didn't really focus on nursing training. And I think you know, in fairness, that was a, a sort of a summary paragraph. But I think it's important that we think about upskilling the nurses who are the ones, you know, there in the home place interfacing with these patients and families and emotionally charged situations. And, you know, it came up on the day as well in the Q&A section, which I found really, really interesting. One of the questions spoke to one of the thoughts I'd had around, you know, is it a case that we need to upskill and train uh certain cohort of the CNSs being mindful that maybe we can't upskill everybody to the same degree and indeed they won't all have the same interest in the area. Um, so there might be a sort of a subspecialty sort of a, an approach to training going forward and that's just you know an idea. I, I don't know that for sure but that's just yeah. you know, thinking ahead about how things might work or body systems, mentorship and I suppose being mindful that you, you know when you're encountering something not that frequently it's hard to have everybody skilled to the to the same level you know and you see that's it and the children that we see are so complex and their needs vary so much how can you make sure that their ability and their skill suits all the kids that they're going to see it's very much individual when it comes to our children with you know palliative care needs mm-hmm. um because if anyone's listening, there is some courses out there. Uh, NUI Go, we have an amazing master's program, which you can do standalone modules. So they're always very beneficial. And then there's a level A and level B children's palliative care in Crumlin, in CHI Crumlin. But it does come down to the individual child, what mm-hmm. the actual learning needs of those nurses are. And exactly like, can we upskill them all? Or are we just looking at a select few that's more involved in those cases? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, as you said, it does come down to then support that body system. Absolutely. I think you've hit on some really key points there. And I think what you mentioned about, um, if you don't mind me interjecting, Stacey, about the courses in Crumlin, I noticed in the free text feedback from the um, qualitative research side of things, nurses mentioned in the invaluable nature of those courses in equipping them to meet the needs of these patients and their experience so far in paediatric palliative care in the community. So, you know, the courses from my research, at least, would seem to be hugely successful and valued among that cohort of nurses. Yeah, great. So tell me, what implications do your findings have for future research? 
Well, for my piece of work, I saw permission to use and modify as needed and as appropriate questionnaires used by research colleagues in the US and in Canada. In particular, the US research I looked at focused on clinical nurse specialists, while the Canadian research looked at um, adult palliative care physicians. So the the former was carried out or led by um, a researcher called Erica Kay and her team. And actually, since embarking on my work, her research team have published further um, research findings around the best type of educational curricula, according to the nurses in question who were surveyed in meeting their needs going forward. Yeah, so I think it's a really useful piece of research to be mindful of in terms of our own local context, you know, be it, you know, obviously configured differently from country to country, but, you know, it's still relevant. And I think this recent research publication will be probably something we'll be, you know, interested in reading ourselves on the back of all of this. So that might guide your next research project. Yeah, exactly. That's it, Stacey. <laughs> no pressure, Carrie. Exactly. Well, I just want to ask, because the listener is really kind of the early career researcher, can you tell me about your experience of carrying out this research? Like, what did you learn from engaging in this research? Are any challenges? Well, I think... The best way to become more adept in any area of research or anything at all, for that matter, is, is to immerse yourself in it. So, you know, in this case, be it statistics, be it the qualitative research component, it's to take on a project and just uh, dive into it. And, you know, you'll encounter the challenges as you go along and it's just dealing with each one along the way. And I would very much say that speaking with colleagues who have undertaken similar research or who are experienced in the field can be great. You know, speaking of mentors can be invaluable resources and mentors during your work and you know I found in the main during my work we're, we're more than happy to help and answer questions and queries along the way yeah yeah so that experiential learning just get thrown in and just kind of learn by doing I think so yeah I think yeah. so because you can read about it and be thought about it but I think it's really the doing of it that is what will teach you <laughs> yeah and I think you kind of hit it there as well about like I suppose mentors as well someone that you can go to that have done it before and ask for their advice I always think you know having the right people do the right research with you makes things so much easier when you have those experienced people to bounce ideas of and you know trying to suss out those challenges and how you can you know what solutions are there how you can overcome those challenges so you'll be glad to hear this the last question (laughs) what key take-home messages do you want to leave our listener with today Yeah, so I suppose it's, you know, you will encounter challenges along the way. And I think it's on my presentation where I outline my limitations. I think, again, we can be very hard on ourselves, but it's just to acknowledge at the outset, you you know, you will have limitations to your study. And, you know, this was a small piece of research relatively. We have to, you know, mention shortcomings and acknowledge that one of the big challenges is there will be limitations I suppose many of us researchers are working full-time clinically. So it's juggling time yeah. commitments to, to each um, and trying to, I suppose, engage in, in you know, research, education and, and, and various other things outside of the clinical, more or less in your spare time, as it were. So that can be a challenge. And then COVID hit, of course, just when I was expecting to have all my surveys back last year, which meant I had to extend the timeframes and that, you know, that threw a bit of a spanner in the works. Yeah. And I suppose the priorities were really, were really much around putting out fires a little bit this time uh, last year, last spring. Yeah. And I think, you know, for me, I was very daunted by the thematic analysis and that and ensuring it was appropriately representative of responses received and that. But 
as I said, immersing yourself in it and the doing of it, I think is um, really, really, really valuable. Um, and I suppose it's, you know, this is such an area of growth um, with increasing numbers of children with life limiting conditions, children living longer because of advances in healthcare, which is great. And adult palliative care services are also growing and developing. And certainly there's, uh, you know, recognition of, for example, adolescent and young adult as an area in itself. And there's fellowships developing in this area. And adult palliative care services will continue to support the albeit expanding paediatric palliative care services. So we need to consider how to ensure you know, a safe approach that's flexible, responsive, uh, speaks to the needs of this unique group with their unique set of challenges and that the nurses uh, all the while feel, you know, adequately supported and never feel, I suppose, out on a limb or that they're, you know, going solo. Absolutely. And you know that it's evidence-based, that there is research like yours coming along to kind of inform practice and mm-hmm. identify what are the needs. Carrie, I would sincerely like to thank you for joining us today and sharing just this excellent research on the clinical nurse specialist attitudes of providing palliative care to children. As a children's palliative care nurse myself, it is really reassuring to hear such a willingness of clinical nurse specialists to continue support and provision of community-based children's palliative care. Um, I look forward to hearing about future research and how we can develop and implement you know, those initiatives that you mentioned to support community clinical nurse specialists with training and collaboration and basically to ensure the provision of palliative care is responsive to children and their family needs. Again, listeners, we welcome your thoughts and questions. Please tweet or direct questions to at AIIHPC underscore ECRF. From all of us at the ECRF, thank you for listening. If any of our listeners would like to share their experience of palliative care or being an early career researcher or attending a palliative care event, please contact at Power Stace. Thanks a million, Carrie. Thanks so much, Stacey. Thank you.